Hey everybody, it's Revelation 10, Swedenborg Live. Been a little while, it's great to be back here. And today we're going to be talking about, yeah, Book of Revelation, but how that applies to your life, our lives. People only grow spiritually in community. Did you know that? Well, Swedenborg said it. Kara, who, spoiler alert for one of the people who's on the panel today, she brought our attention to the fact that we grow better together spiritually, which is the same as it is with everything that grows, everything that's alive. Organisms grow in an ecosystem. Cells grow in a body. This is not something that's an outlier. So, hey, let's get together and grow this uh, ecosystem of uh, truth or, or whatever you want to style it as. I'm Curtis Childs, and I'll be your host so long as I don't get kicked off before the end of the show. And with me, we have an excellent panel. Would you guys introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Karin Childs, community manager and writer. So grateful and honored to be in touch with our wonderful community. And glad to have you here today. Wait. <laughs> Kara, unmute. That's good, good, <laughs> good Zoom etiquette. That's right. I'm sorry. Like so normal now. Everybody has been muted talking on Zoom. Okay. <laughs> yes, I'm Cara Dom. I'm the Latin consultant and also one of the comment responders to all your fabulous comments under our shows. Glad to be here. All right. And I'm Chris Dunn. Um, been with Awful Left Eye for five, six years now, and I'm the director of digital marketing. It's an honor to be here. Awesome. Hey, it's an honor for all of us to get to have your time because I know time is limited and uh, we're going to spend it in some pretty cool ways here, basically talking about whatever's on your mind. If you're in the chat on YouTube right now, put in questions. All the questions we answer on this show come from you during the show. So wh whatever's on your mind, stuff that's related to the Revelation 10 and the show we did this week is going to get priority. But, you know, let us know what you want to talk about and that's what's going to drive it. Hey, and we have a chance here to get even more question answering in. If we raise $117, that's the magic for your number for your bonus this week. We'll do an extra 15 minutes of question answering. Now, why 117? Well, so there's a handy dandy tie-in to the material. So follow me here. We'll go from a Revelation quote to a Swedenborg quote. So in Revelation 10, 5 to 6, it says, then the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, that's gone, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it, there will be no more delay. And then he goes on. In heaven and hell 117, Swedenborg says, heaven's son is the Lord. Light there is divine truth and warmth, the divine good that radiate from the Lord as the sun. Everything that comes into being and manifests itself in the heavens is from this source. We have a tie-in there to what's described in Revelation, this Swedenborg, you know, a couple thousand years later. And since it's in 117, that we thought, hey, like, that's a pretty good lucky number. So if we can raise $117, you get 15 minutes more extra questions. Go to otle.causevox.com to make your donation and be a part of supporting the programming here. Okay. To prove our commitment to wanting to hear what's on your mind, we want to start while everyone's typing their questions in, in the chat Hearing your answers to a question we gave you earlier this week, we every week ask you a question related to the topic on YouTube. And the question this week was, what are ways that other people have brought some of God's presence to you, some of God's help or love or wisdom? Hey, that's cool, man. Instead of getting to um, critique and criticize everyone, we get to talk about when they had a little uh, God's love and light show up. So Karin, Community manager, what, what did people say about that? 
This question had to do with the fact that in the show, we were talking about how the Lord can fill an angel and come to a person. And so we wanted to get you to think about when that has happened through a person bringing the Lord to you. And here are some of the wonderful answers that came in. Through laying on of hands, I could feel spirit flowing into me. Same concept as when you're feeling bad and get a hug, then feel better. It's a transfer of spirit. My aunt and uncle helped me out in a big way. They are angels. In quiet moments, I hear things or things come unexpectedly through someone else. I believe we are meant to be wherever we are to receive that physically or spiritually. It's an openness and willingness to receive the grace of God and the help of others. And it is a joy to be a part of the life that connects us all. For me, that's what it's all about. Off the Left Eye has brought tremendous wisdom in God's presence. It's been such a blessing to me, and I'm sure for others too. I also find it in sharing and, and help from neighbors. Here in Hawaii, this is part of our culture. There's always something we can do to lighten the load in people's lives. Big or small is appreciated. And I do the same because it's automatic for me and warms my heart knowing that whatever I can do or give is always appreciated. In difficult times, my family, especially my father, have given loving support and advice that gave me hope. I felt this was the Lord reaching out to me through others. A friend said, find the property first. The words seemed to have a halo around them and booted me into action. I saw a house I thought I couldn't afford, and here I am now living in the perfect accommodation with my severely mentally ill son. If he needs any help, I am right here. I remember that phrase like a message from angels. It was the opposite of what I would have said, and I would never have shifted mountains without it. Off the Left Eye does so much of this for me in every show and every post. Thank you. And this is from Daniel Endy, who was a guest on our show recently. Life is a divinely orchestrated series of events and interactions with our inner being nudging and guiding us. We get inspired, intuitive impulses to say, either say something in conversation, to call someone, we end up in the right place at the right time to help, or to just smile at a person we pass in the street. In these ways, we can be agents of the divine grace of God in this world, so we can be angels for others, and they can be angels for us. We are part of God's love in action when we are tuned into those inspired, intuitive impulses. The work of Emanuel Swedenborg and Off the Left Eye videos. A wise and close friend introduced me to Swedenborg and Off the Left Eye. Truly transformative. The best teachers I have ever had are from people who don't tell me what to think or what to see, but just invite me where to look. The wonderful friends that I made at Brynathen Cathedral, a cathedral in the same town as Theophilus Left Eye Office. They were there for me with wise and loving things to say after my best friend passed. I moved too far to attend services, but I'll never forget them, the information about God and their compassion. And finally, Off the Left Eye brings wisdom and reassurance of God's presence. I am ever grateful. Awesome. Hey. Yeah, that is great. Thank you, everyone, for being able to open up a little bit about your lives. And I want to draw some attention to something, because here we are asking a question saying, yeah, where's God coming through for you? And we go ahead and read these answers where some people are saying, off the left eye is doing that. So aren't we a little bit full of ourselves? But we're not. And this is why. Everything good is from God. This was just hitting me the other day when I was doing the dishes. And I realized 
this is from God because I'm doing the dishes without, and I, and I'm thinking about the good it will do, you know, for our little household. That's all good is from God. So it just opens up. Like if you felt love coming through, that was from a good intention on someone's part. No, you book it. That's God. Cause everything, so it's not like something special breaks through and, and we and a few other people have God working through us. Like everything good is from God. Or that's my interpretation of what Swedenborg says. Let's get to some questions. Okay, this is from Gabriella Kahali, who asks, how are the awesome images in Revelation and dreams similar? Because Revelation is weird. Dreams are weird. How, how is this stuff connected? Man, I've had some very vivid dreams recently. I'd love to hear... Does anyone have some initial thoughts on how how we could tie these together? Yeah, Karen. It, they are both the spiritual language of symbolism. There is spiritual, like in spiritual talk, <laughs> like uh, imagery is a spiritual language. Like it it is uh, like actually the show that's posting next week, next Monday, is going to be talking about this how objects, images, objects in this world, images in your dreams or images in the Bible stories. It's a language, like a, a thing <laughs> that appears in a description um, represents a concept, just like we, a word we speak represents a concept. So it's like uh, uh, the imagery in Revelation is talking to us. It's telling us something. Um, and the same thing happens in dreams. The imagery is talking to us you know it's it's representing a Swedenborg even says in uh, we mentioned this in our show about dreams that uh conversations being had by angels can turn up in our dreams as these just these scenes full of imagery and that's how that conversation is getting uh depicted in our dreams it's um if we knew how to translate it <laughs> we'd be um hearing a conversation between angels. So both revelation and our dreams are partaking of this, uh, in this language that is a spiritual language of imagery. Yeah, absolutely. And something that struck me as you're talking about that, this, this language that they're both in, even though your dreams may not have some of the characteristic multi-eyed creatures and very biblical sounding now, I guess, by association imagery, like angels and trumpets. If you think about the cadence and the feel, there's a lot of similarities. Like I think about both revelation and your dreams. If you brought them to some Hollywood exec to pitch a show, the answer would be who wrote this? That This is weird. In both like, you think about how dreams are and like the plot is very fluid and one thing doesn't necessarily follow the other, but it can be meaningful and this stuff that shouldn't go together does. And then in Revelation, you have stuff that it's not laid out like a Grapes of Wrath or something. This is both like skipping, like intentionally using things that you can understand, but the way they're pieced together hints that there's something that I'm not quite getting here. So I think that that's an interesting little tag that the language of correspondences, you can recognize it popping up in different places because partially because of the way that our rational mind can't immediately follow it. Yeah, so I, I think that that's pretty fun. Uh, Cara or Chris, either of you want to chime in on this one before we go to the next? All right, then let's do it. Hey, we, question two is Tim Wood, who asks, 
What happens to people who don't like animals in the afterlife? <laughs> well, I don't know. What, is, is there has anyone ever? Is there anything specific, Chris? You want to talk about uh, animals in the afterlife? Yeah, um, and one of the things that I thought was really fascinating about Swedenborg's description of um, the kind of like the experience of heaven is that what you see around you are kind of like the materialization of your affections and the, the experience of heaven is something that is useful to you. And so I think from a, at least an angelic perspective, um, if, if you have a certain animals that you, there's fear or distaste for, um, and if it's not useful to you, they won't be necessarily articulated and materialized around you. However, if there are animals that you have an affection for that represent deeper affections within your experience in heaven, it seems apt to think that you might see those around you um, being materialized. So just a initial thought. Oh, I love that. And it's, it, it definitely draws our attention back to the intentional nature of experience that's obvious in the spiritual world. And, but it happens here, even though it doesn't seem like it, that, that look, the answer is never going to be one size fits all. It's what, what's best for you. And we'll figure out the, the way to get there. Yeah, Karen. I don't know if this is coming from a place of, of Tim not being fond of animals himself or he loves animals and wishes other people would. So I'm not sure where it's coming from, but I think that people who don't like animals in this life might find themselves liking animals in the afterlife because you will be able to feel that they are embodiments of your affections. They're, they're embodiments, they correspond to emotions, to human emotions and you know, feelings and thoughts. And I think we will find that they are, we can really relate to that imagery of animals. Um, so it may be a whole different experience in the afterlife than on earth, because on earth, a lot has to do with our just associations from experiences or not having grown up with animals or whatever. Um, but I, also, I very much agree with Chris that um, are the things of our mind will manifest around us in the form that will be the most comfortable and the, and make the most sense to us. And so, yeah, there is some reason that certain animals we just, for whatever reason, feel an aversion to, that won't be the form that will manifest. It will be in some other way because there's many different images for, you know, every kind of thought and feeling. Um, but there might, you know, you might have a whole different feeling once you cross over into the afterlife. That's true. Hey, there's, um, things can change. Likes can change. There was a lot. I didn't really like fruit until recently, but then I had to like change my diet, you know, to get, get my body healthier. And now stuff that I, for years and years and years had a major aversion to, I'm, I love it because I understand it in a different way. I know like what it's doing for the body could well be you wake up in the spirit and, and animals feel all different. Cara, do you have some, some thoughts? Yeah, I, um, this question sort of grabs me because I am allergic to like every kind of pet you can think of. And uh, I have a good healthy dose of fear. <laughs> How about animals too? Because like, you know, they all came from wild things. You just don't know what that friendly little dog might do in another minute. You know? <laughs> so I, I, but I, I'm in awe of the sort of fabulous amazing creation of the animal kingdom and the variety and it, it's so amazing to me so i'm hoping that i get to lose a little bit of the fear and the distance and 
somehow get to embrace the, the whole thing a little more. And the fact that it's going to be some kind of emanation from of my own of, of what I care about and what I love is makes it seem like that's possible. That's a great example of some worldly things that can get in the way of us embracing that. Like the allergies is a, it completely changes how you feel about this animal. It doesn't matter how big your heart is if if it makes your body absolutely uh, give up on wanting to live as some allergies <laughs> can feel like you just don't, it's going to hurt the love. It just can't quite like a, come here and I'll just be itchy and scratchy and woozy and headachey for the rest of the day. And then also, yeah, there's the protection and because you don't know, you don't know if that dog is going to bite you or not. And, and dogs that people thought were friendly do terrible things. That's another physical world thing because the spiritual world, you know what's inside as well as what's outside. One last thought about that. And so, so I really appreciate that, Cara. One last thought is, you know where animals pop up? Dreams, Book of Revelation, right? They, they are part of the language of correspondences. That they, they, you, you don't, don't need to have animals in the Book of Revelation, right? It's about, it's about human stuff. No, it's not for animals to read, is it? Well, so why are they there? But you got lambs and you got beasts and all kinds of stuff. And then in our dreams, you'll have these animals popping up. And they're in the Bible. We talk about the creation story. So they're tied into the language of correspondences. So I don't know. It's just another link that I thought was was cool, cool and legit. Okay, before we move to our next question, I'm not trying to alarm anyone, but we're more than 15 minutes through. So more than a quarter of the way through the show, and we are exactly 0% to our goal. So get to otle.cosvox.com if you want to help us raise $117 and do that extra 15 minutes. to And, and really, the point is, you make our programming possible as a not-for-profit. Get in there, otle.cosvox.com. Thanks. Nana Rosebud asks, is everything bad from God also? We must learn lessons and progress either way. Oh man, I don't usually do this, but I'm going to open because I was just reading the best passage about that in Swedenborg's Journal of Spiritual Experiences. Now draw a little visual aid here. Uh, so it was that Swedenborg arguing that bad things did not come out of God, even though all life comes out of God, right? We've got all life, and I'll show you guys this when I'm done drawing it. All life comes out of God, and if good is done, it's done through good spirits. If evil happens, it happens through the agency of evil spirits, but it only happens that the evil is allowed if it will help the person uh, turn good in the end. So, ah, this is not turning out very well. <laughs> you got God here, right? And if, let's say this is a person who's messed up, right? Who, who has some kind of flaw enough to the point where they've got it. The only way they can get out of it is to be snapped out of it by some kind of evil, right? God's life comes into the evil spirit, right? And the evil spirit, because they're evil, takes that in their heart and does some evil to the person. But the, in the end, the evil leads to the person being reformed and leads to good. So actually this, God, you can have this double negative of the evil and the evil and the person, but the end result, it's just a means, the end result is good. So that means that the evil doesn't come from God, the good comes from God, because that's good, God's intention. You look at it independent of the, the time, in the end, it's good. I don't know if that seems any different than anything you've ever heard, but to me, that just hit me like, that is right. That is a very strong explanation of how only good comes out of God, because is evil really evil? 
if in the end it makes everything better. Okay, suffering maybe, but not evil. Okay, that that's what that's uh, my rele- super relevant answer. Uh, Karen, uh, what do you got? Yeah, I'm actually just working on a show script about this for next year, about that everything comes from God, but God didn't make evil. <laughs> and um, if you think about the analogy of the sun streaming out light and heat, the sun does not make darkness and the sun does not make cold. Uh, what, what brings those about is blockage from the sun, turning away from the sun uh, results in darkness and cold. So the same thing happened with um, as humanity turned away from God's love and wisdom um, that started separating their thinking from love and their actions from love and that turned into evil and that became evil and it was just a very gradual thing through the um, the gift we're given a gift of, of a sense of autonomy and we can use that to choose to still realize that everything comes from God and everything good comes from God, or we can choose into this illusion of separateness, which can lead to, oh, I'll choose a benefit for myself over a benefit for someone else. And that just can gradually deteriorate into what becomes evil, which is just self-centeredness instead of caring about the neighbor. And so that's a short (laughs) description of how evil came to be. It is simply a separation from God, but still, um, so now the people can take the life force, which is the raw materials for existence, which only come from God, but can take those and twist them and separate them from love. Just like you can take any object in nature and you can use it to do something constructive or good or beneficial, or you can use it to do harm. The raw materials that come from God, we can choose to twist and separate and, and um, do bad things with. But like Curtis was saying, the only evil that's permitted is what God foresees can eventually be used to wake something up or make some realizations or bring something good out of that. It becomes the cure for evil in the end. So there are some thoughts. Awesome. Great to have that perspective. And we need to load up on all the evil perspectives about evil that we can because it's so it takes so much willpower to not just throw your hands up when you see evil in your life and evil in the world to just say there's no way god is not on the hook for all of this so to keep you know get get those things in your toolbox and hopefully they when they come to you at the right time to feel like, okay i think i can not despair at this situation so thank you for sharing that chris do you have some thoughts on the the conversation around the, the origin of evil yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I grew up as a Protestant and, um, you know, a lot of the stories I grew up on were from the book of Job and um, quite literally the literally the literal stories within the Bible. And, you know, this kind of conversation really brings the true value of Swedenborg's perspective forward, which is that um, when you hear just the literal versions of a lot of these Bible stories, you get the sense that God you know, he does punish, he does, you know, he does bring harm to people. And you spend some time with Swedenborg and you hear the perspective that my fellow panelists are, are sharing from Swedenborg. And you know, all of a sudden you get a completely different, deeper understanding of that dynamic that like, you're not literally going to live your life 
in the back of your mind thinking, man, like the source of all power is going to punish me, you know, but rather you think about the perspective as you go about your life, knowing that like the source of everything good and true in the world supports you and loves you. And, and there's permissions that happen in order for you to develop as a more useful and loving person, have more meaning in your life. That's, that's a much different perspective and a much more useful and empowering perspective, knowing that God is not literally the source of everything bad happening to you, but is working in every capacity to make sure that you're going to live a more meaningful life, no matter what happens. Um, That's revolutionary. I mean, that doesn't happen in a lot of other religious settings, at least that I've experienced. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that's the idea I wanted to say, Chris, you said it beautifully. Thank you. (laughs) And, and thank you, Chris, for being willing to share some of your life experience because these, we, we can kick around theological ideas, but, uh, knowing what how those things show up in a human being that that's what it's all about so it's, it's just cool to get to hear from you you know what what one set of teachings does and then what the ideas in Swedenborg do um hey guys I gotta I gotta say something we hit our goal <laughs> yeah um we had three donations come in maybe you guys already saw them on the screen bam 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 from Linda Elizabeth and Stephanie thank you thank you um, we now have raised $135, which is over our 117. So we are going to overtime. So thank you so much for that. Really, really appreciate it. Um, and um, you can know, Linda, Elizabeth, and Stephanie, that you're making this possible for everyone. So thank you so much for that. To celebrate, let's do another question. Vincent Device asks, I was curious to know if the original Swedenborg manuscripts in the Swedenborg are in the Swedenborg are in the Swedenborg Library, and if they have ever been publicly displayed, so the Swedenborg Library is here in Bernathen, uh, and that's a good question. We're, we're all talking about Swedenborg. We have it on the internet now. You click through, or you get a but he wrote them somewhere. Kara, I mean, this sort of seems like a new century edition, like the work you and your team are doing. Where where are they? Yeah, shouldn't we be keeping track of those? <laughs> Somebody is keeping track of them. Uh, unfortunately, I am not the one who is, but I know a little bit <laughs> about it. Um, the originals, I think, are mostly in Sweden. And I forget if it's in Stockholm <clears throat> or Uppsala. Uppsala is where Swedenborg went to school, the University of Uppsala. Um, we, in the Swedenborg Library in Bernathen, we have photolithographs, which are big photocopies in the form of these huge volumes that Swedenborg wrote in. We have, so they're copies of his handwriting. So you can see what it looked like, even though they're not the originals. Um, Yeah. And we also, the Swedenborg library has as much as they could reconstruct of the library that Swedenborg himself owned. So we can see what books Swedenborg you know, had learned from or was referring to, and that's interesting too. But I think most of the original, original manuscripts are in Sweden. Didn't, and didn't the government of Sweden relatively recently say, oh, these are actually a sort of a national treasure. We're going to take care of them in our archives. I remember hearing about that when it happened. Because, it, you know, Swedenborg is, is a bit of niche history, and it could be that it was sort of just, oh, they're in a closet somewhere. But now that they're in some, wherever it is, it's a very significant 
institution that's got them. Yes. And again, I forget the name of that institution, but yes, it is like a national trust or something. And they did have a big um, sort of convention, a, a very exclusive con convention where they invited scholars from all over the world to come celebrate this sort of new declaration by the government of Sweden, that this is, uh, Swedenborg is a national treasure and, and we want to make it special, you know. Yeah, I'm checking my inbox. I, I missed the invite, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was before off left eye. You know, you were five years late, I think, Curtis. Yeah, I still think I've got the credentials. Okay, thank you so much, Vincent. That was a, that was a cool question. Okay, next one. AB asks, does Swedenborg talk about something like walk-in souls, meaning another spirit takes part or whole part of someone else's mind? Hey, that sounds like it's the kind of strange thing Swedenborg would have experienced. Is anybody familiar with him reporting some of that stuff? Karin, do you want to lead us off? Uh, well, just... Oh. Yeah, go ahead, Kara. Oh, sorry. Just the first thing that comes to mind is that he, Swedenborg does say that possession, quote unquote, doesn't happen anymore. And that's sort of... I don't know. That's a little puzzling because some people have experience of certainly being taken over in some way. Um, I don't know. That's what comes to mind when I see walk-in souls. Yeah. Well, uh, that, that's all. What else, people? No, man. Uh, but listen, possession is nine-tenths of the law. The possession maybe doesn't happen anymore. But that's not to say... If we, if we think about spiritual things like this, we can say, oh, possession doesn't happen anymore, so that means nobody takes you over. If you heard, like, medically, is there is there polio anymore? Well, no, but you still can sort of get it, and there's these viruses that are similar to it. It's so complex. So it could be that the very the, the thing possession doesn't happen, but I but it could well be that there's a lot of other phenomena that are like it, which I think Swedenborg does describe some of those. However, it is a good distinction that you make that, there used to be conditions, conditions used to be worse, much like human beings have eradicated some diseases. There used to be this full on thing called possession where you could just get taken over by spirits and they would even like move your body, whatever it was. We're probably glad it's not around uh, anymore. Yeah, Karin, do you want to take us a little farther? Yeah, for, if I understand what Swedenborg is saying that there used to be before Jesus came to earth, and changed things. Uh, there used to be a kind of possession that could happen completely against a person's will. Like they could be taken over by a spirit completely against their will. And that is not possible anymore, even though there are, like you indicated, Curtis, there are things that happen that can appear that way. Like Swedenborg did describe sometimes it would have seemed like he was being possessed, like some evil spirits were like shaking his body and things but he was given this higher perspective by the Lord to see that, oh, actually I'm okay. It's just some lower level of me they were messing with temporarily. Um, and so nowadays there's the only kind of possession that's possible is what's called internal possession, which is a person got into that willingly, meaning over a, a, long, a long time, they engaged in activity that invited these spirits more and more and more into their aura and their spiritual vicinity. And pretty much they become a slave to these impulses. So that is something that can happen, but over a long period of time, and the Lord is constantly trying to send wake up calls. So you don't go down that route. 
But I'm thinking about something else that Swedenborg talks about that we are always being influenced by associate spirits more than we realize. Like we can be getting thoughts and feelings and acting on them that are really coming from, you know, we think we're just thinking it up on our own or just that's our own private feeling, but we are being very influenced by our spirit associations. And the lower we are in our state of um, evolvement, you know, spiritual evolvement, the more we're kind of being controlled by lower ego impulses and things. And those are spirits. Just if you look at our show called um, uh, Do Spirits Play a Role in Addiction? We have a section called Who Really Wants What You Want? Which means when you're just going along and you're sort of going with your your ego whims and things, um, we have these spirits just kind of flowing through us, their feelings flowing through us and their ideas flowing through us. And we're just kind of going along. And so that's why we need to engage in this um, path, this journey of spiritual growth, because the more we are opened up um, to towards spiritual rebirth by the Lord, actually the more free and independent we are from all these spirits, just kind of pushing us around <laughs> and, you know, pushing us around with their will. And we become a more, uh, you know, with just connection with the Lord, we are actually becoming more free from all those pushes and pulls of spirit influences. So I think it, it there is a constant interaction between us and spirits. And yeah, sometimes they're almost like walking <laughs> through us, meaning not maybe sometimes consciously, probably most of the time, not consciously, but just kind of, um, their will is being acted out because we go along with that impulse. Um, so that's why it's a you know, great thing to go on that journey to get more aware, get perspective on your own lower ego, um, get freed from that and become more and more spiritually free. It's a great summary of, of Swedenborg's perspective. And I can imagine, especially if someone who's like a first time viewer, it could be a little jarring to think of, oh, there's spirits influence and, and control and that sort of thing. But it's there, there's certainly precedent in a couple of things in the physical world that we all know are just, okay, this is just part of how things go. I'm thinking about you can have um, like parasites in your system. I'm talking about little animals, like physical parasites that can, because they're in there, they can like make you want certain foods because they really want those foods. So that, that, that absolutely happens. And even on a more extreme, we're talking about animals there's these ants that these little fungus takes uh, gets inside the ant and it makes the ant walk up to a high piece of grass or something tall and just sit there and then die so that the spores of the fungus can can go out there's an amazing there's mind control is real in the in the biological world there's no question about that but also like flipping it to the other side to you know i think in you know, a buddhist traditions and other traditions that are saying like you know you just run by your passions until you learn to observe stuff. So I can totally make sense that, okay, yeah, when you're just kind of, whatever urge comes up is dictating to you the next thing to do, the next thing to do, what's the difference you know, between being you know, controlled or not? Um, and then, yeah, there is definitely, Swedenborg gets into some stuff of, you know, ain't, spirits were allowed to activate my legs and arms. He still knows what he's doing, but he can tell somebody else is driving a bit of the ship. Yeah, Chris, do you wanna weigh in? Yeah, um, I remember reading about um, obsession, the idea of obsession in Swedenborg, and that seemed like more of kind of the reality that a lot of people can get into today where, um, you know, if you are kind of 
getting into the habit of um, doing evil things or selfish things over and over and over again, you kind of can become very vulnerable to that uh, kind of influence over time. And it becomes obsessive that those habits continue to perpetuate in your life. Like any, it's like good or bad habits. You know, you, you, you build those habits up over a long enough period of time and, and they strengthen. Um, and so, uh, whereas I, yeah, Swedenborg has a lot to say on possession in the past. Obsession seems to be a lot more relevant today. And good, yeah, good, good to make that distinction. And it, it is definitely tangible to think of, okay, possession is involuntary. Obsession is we bought into it and now we're like addicted to that way of thinking uh, and, and can't get out of it. Hey, I want to say some thank yous. We had Ellen contribute. Thank you so much, Ellen. Robert contributed. Thank you so much, Robert. So we are, we are well above the mark that we were shooting for. And I want to say to everybody who's out there, if you feel like, oh, well, they already hit the mark. It's not worth it. If you're a new donor, you haven't given before, and you donate, you're going to be entered into our raffle. Next week, we're going to do the drawing for this month where all new donors get a potentially life-changing piece of off-the-left-eye swag uh, to take to your house. So, And it just supports us in what we do. So thanks so much, everyone, for the support you're giving us, otle.causebox.com. Hey, let, let's go to the next question because it's kind of related or it's on the same topic. I think once we get the ball rolling with the evil spirits side of life, everyone wants to talk about it. And I think it's because... Yeah, we, we have there's so much unaccounted for negativity inside the human mind. And we got like, where's all this coming? Where, why is there so much struggle that the human race has with evil of all kinds? Uh, you know, you're interested in possible explanations for it. So this is Robert Martin, who asks, is it possible to get rid of evil spirits in someone else to help that person? And I don't know if I really know. You know, I don't know if I really... Uh, if Swedenborg lays that out a ton, but let's let's take a whack at it. Karen, what do you think? I think that relates directly to what we mentioned Kara brought to the conversation a couple of times ago about we need each other to do the spiritual growth journey. That's how the Lord has set it up. We are, uh, it's, it's on purpose that we all are connected to many other beings, both in the afterlife and in this life, because in its good manifestation. That means we are there all as agents of God for each other and to help each other. And I think that probably everybody can think of times in their life where they were sinking and losing perspective or maybe getting into a bad place in some way or another in their mind or in their actions. And through other people um, helping, you know, either intervening or going to somebody for help, you know, to gain some perspective, to gain some ideas of how to make a change or something. This, we definitely are agents of the Lord for helping each other because to, to get rid of evil spirits is this journey of getting aware of them, which is the same thing as getting aware of our own negativity. Like if we notice negativity coming through us in actions, um, habits, whatever, we need to get aware of that so we can recognize it, resist it, turn to the Lord to a better path. But that doesn't have to be done all by ourselves. Um, that very often needs the help of another, you know, of other people 
to help um, help us gain that perspective, to notice when we have, you know, like maybe done something that hurt somebody else's feelings, even in that is helps us wake up to something. Um, and so, yeah, we're there to help each other gain perspective. And it's important to keep Jesus's words in our mind as far as when we're looking at somebody else and considering maybe evil spirit influence on somebody else. Remember that Jesus says, now be, be doing your own inner work because only then can you, you know, look for the beam in your own eye so you can better see the, the, the splinter in the other person's eye, meaning um, keep working on your waking up to your own stuff or else you're not going to clearly see. You might say, oh man, they are a mess, but it's <laughs> just because I don't like them or whatever. Um, so keep working, you know, keep working on your own stuff, but then absolutely from a place of love, we can help each other uh, wake up to and recognize when we're, uh, you know, a friend is getting taken over by negativity and, and see what we can do to help. And it always, in the end, the person themselves has to be willing, has to consent and has to make the decisions that allow that to happen. But we can certainly be the agents to try to support that and and help another person. So you're saying, People might not take it well if you come up to them and say, hey, you're possessed by evil spirits. Let me let me free you from that. Hey, you're evil. I can tell you need help with your evil spirits. Um, Yeah, I I, I love it. Um, uh, It's cool to think about evil spirits. And that sounds out there and and insane. But the way you describe us getting through it is just like good, solid human to human empathy and and clear headedness. And and I do find that that's the Swedenborg experience is, yeah, I'll give you this really jarring uh, other layers to reality but then the way you get through it is just really good life advice uh, no matter who you are hey want to take a quick stop to say thanks to sharon she gave and we're up to 235 bucks thank you. raised to go into this kind of programming thank you so much everybody for your gift and i wanted chris i just want to put you on the spot for just a second because I mean, Karen was already touching on this a bit, but it sounds like, I don't know, with possession, think about possession versus obsession, like you were talking about. With possession, could, could you help someone? I don't know, that sounds like you'd be putting certain marks in certain places on the floor and, and waving around. But with obsession, you know, do we think that, you know, could, could people help when we're kind of trapped in the, the world of obsession, you know? Yeah, I mean, in my own experience, uh, you know, presenting uh, in a loving way ideas could be more powerful than anything. I mean, I think delivery and substance are the two things that really can, you know, help someone. And if we are conduits of good for one another, and yet at the same time, reach free to accept that good or not. Um, at the end of the day, having the intention to help someone lovingly because you care about them and knowing that the Lord uses you to do that with all tons of people around you, um, bring ideas with love to people, especially the Lord's truths. Um, can't underestimate that. That's great. I love it. Yeah. Cara, do you want to take us home on this one? Yeah. I, it's a bad note to end on, I think, but I mean, <laughs> that was beautiful, Chris, but of course what comes to mind immediately is the concept of exorcism, which some church organizations do. And I don't know what their, um, you know, I, I, I don't know what their guidelines are, what their practices are. I doesn't did not F- watch the movie. Um, doesn't the FDA have <laughs> guidelines on that? Or, <laughs> sorry. I think somebody would. But um, 
the thing, it seems to me, I think what uh, Chris and Karn have said is beautiful about the help of other people and, and how simple, the simple presence of love and truth is very powerful. But um, I don't know, I just want to say that the person, the person themselves probably is the most powerful in this equation. Like they have to be the ones that recognize I am somewhere I don't want to be. I am in the company of an energy that I do not want to be in the company of. And I want to get out of here. You know, I think that's probably the most important element. Yeah, that's right. And doesn't mean you have to do it all yourself. But unless you are opening your hands and saying, I want help. And we know you don't have to talk about evil spirits. This is with addiction or anything else. Unless we're saying, look, I need help. Yeah, it's going to be really hard to drag us there. And you know what? Maybe that's the way it works with all these other ailments because that's the human God thing. Like God is sitting there wanting to absolutely maximize our life and get rid of everything that's problematic. But if we got our hands around our ego concerns and our materialism and the stuff that's keeping God away, there's nothing that can happen. I mean, the, the power is all there, but Swedenborg is talking on and on about regeneration. Really, that's the process of unclenching your hands and saying, okay, God, you arranged which what goes where and what I'm going to do. It's work, but uh, but well worth it. Cool. Thanks so much, guys. That was a great discussion. Hey, let's, let's do another one. Why don't we? We're, we're young. We can do it. This is Pre Preliminimal who asks, if a soul begins in heaven, do they never experience evil? So we're talking about evil and what a pain it is to navigate and evil spirits and all that. Does anyone get to just kind of Road trip around that? Yeah, Cara, what do you think? Uh, I think Swedenborg would say, first of all, that no soul begins in heaven. All souls start here for that very reason, I think. Uh, I mean, to just sort of be born into this, uh, this world of the equilibrium between good and evil. Um, and, and then they get to develop their own uh, loves in those directions. And of course infants die and things like that and they're taken care of and that equilibrium is tended to in a different way but um so souls don't begin in heaven in Swedenborg's cosmology um but I so I, I would just immediately skip to what about babies who die you know that would be where I would go with that question <laughs> it's a good distinction because if some soul just began in heaven I would be saying hey how did I not score that <laughs> lottery number right yeah so um uh karen do you have any thoughts on this uh but let's say somebody does let's take cars prompting and say somebody dies very young uh, i don't know exactly when that starts but they die die without really having had any experience in this world yeah they go right into heaven is it just do they just know goodness and truth yeah well what i understand from swedenborg is it is a very it's a it is a different existence for people who died in infancy and didn't experience actual evil. Um, however, all of us, like you, you guys were saying, do start out being born in the earthly plane or starting out our existence in the earthly plane. And so we did have as part of the fashioning of our spirit, um, hereditary evil because we, we all, um, been born with that, you know, just like we are born with a physical heredity, 
We are born with a spiritual heredity when we get started. And so even babies who go straight to heaven um, carry that heredity with them. And they do, um, they are guided to learn about that heredity. They don't have it come out and be active in the way that it happens here on earth. They just are uh, in different ways. They are made aware of it so that they are aware of the difference between good and evil and how much uh, God is, you know, doing <laughs> to, to save us from that, from that possibility of falling into that kind of destructiveness. And so they are aware of it. Um, it is a very different experience, um, but that is because there are all kinds needed in the grand scheme of heaven. And so we will all play different roles depending on what kind of experience we have lived. So people who didn't get into actual evil down here on earth and are therefore have um, a, you know, a stronger dose of innocence to begin with, they are needed for particular functions in heaven. Whereas those of us who go through this life and go through a lot of struggles and all sorts of different struggles, um, some harder in this life than others, that is going to shape each one of us into this unique kind of angel that is really amazingly suited for a particular um, amazing function in heaven. And so it's going to be very rewarding either way, even though our, you know, our experience with evil will have been different. But um, in the end, we all become these amazing, unique agencies for God's love and wisdom, um, just you know, shaped by our particular experiences. That's a great point. And one way to think of it that popped to mind is again, thinking of addiction as a example. You know, if you, if you are hitting rock bottom with alcoholism and you're reaching out to help for help to someone to be, you know, a counselor, mentor or something like that. Do you want somebody who's never struggled with addiction being your, your, your sponsor? Right. Or do you or think about the difference of picturing that person versus picturing someone who's been through just what you've been through? And now that right when I'm saying that, that was the whole point of Jesus Christ was God coming and going through everything that we're going through. Because you want to reach out to God. If God has just always been sitting on these clouds and has never not known if there's help out there or if he's going to make it and stuff. Maybe that's that's what Jesus did is is give that experience. So it's like, oh, yeah it's okay. It can be nice for someone to not experience evil, but if it's, there's a potency of the ability to fight evil that that comes through that. And if nobody, if everybody started right in heaven, the whole structure would, would be destroyed. And we, we talked about that in a, in a previous show. Let's move on because we're going to, we're getting to a question here that we've never had a question like this. And by definition, we are not going to be able to answer this question. Ooh, edge of our seats. What is it? SD asks, does off the left eye have a cool question that they can't answer themselves? So what is at that? We have so much stuff that Swedenborg is giving us insight into. What's at the frontier of what we, I don't know. I, I just don't know. I don't get it. This is so cool. I, I hope a good one comes to me. But Chris, do you have one to start off? Yeah, there's one that I've always struggled with. Um, and Swedenborg says that we're, you know, we're in freedom to make our own choices and develop our, you know, characters and find a home eventually in heaven or hell. Um, and, you know, how, how do you hold that 
And I'm sure there is an answer for this, but I've not found one yet. How do you hold that with a God that um, is outside of time and space, that is all-knowing, that already knows our destiny, and yet somehow that reality exists while at the same time we're somehow still free to make fundamental choices, you know, and have hope still, but God already knows where we're going. Confusing. I love it. Yeah. So we're just going to, everyone say their question and we'll let it ring out into the universe. So that's a great one. Thank you, Chris, for that. I for, I was listening to you so much. I forgot to try to think of mine. Kara or Karen, do either of you have one ready to go? I just have the answer to Chris's question. That's all. Oh, <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. Well, no, but if you if you answer his question, well, you can, but then he'll have to pick a new one. <laughs> please, please, please give me peace. Oh, that's so funny. No, I've I've done this answer before um, <laughs> about the the dilemma between freedom and a God that knows everything. And and my answer is ice cream. If I offer my two-year-old granddaughter ice cream, she is perfectly free to say no. But I know she's going to say yes. <laughs> but it doesn't impinge on her freedom. I don't know how I feel about that. It doesn't impinge on her freedom one bit. I just happen to know what her choice is going to be. <laughs> Man, you if you could have made ice cream, like some low-sugar ice cream, it just wasn't quite that good. And then... <laughs> Uh, okay. I won't go on. I won't, I won't press more. There's, I have a lot more to ask from that, but I'll let everyone else have their turn. Oh, okay. <laughs> sometimes, well, sometimes we want to pursue that. Sure. Okay. So what's, okay. What's another a cool question? What well, really just says a cool question they can't answer themselves, but all right. Look, give me a second here. Let me, let me think there's, cause there's so Karin many things. Has one. Oh, Karin. Yeah. Yeah. You go. That's great. Sure. Mine's kind of geeky, but I would love to see, I'm reading through, uh, in the Bible, like First Samuel, Second Samuel, all these long stories of these battles of King David and this and that. And Swinborg doesn't go into detail it, about the meanings of a lot of the Bible. Um, I think it's kind of sad because I think he uh, dug into Genesis and Exodus and there was so little interest <laughs> that he just started doing other things that I would really love to know. And I just have this general sense that this is talking about very specific things that Jesus was doing in the spiritual realm to help people get free of, neg you know, like drama going on in the spiritual realm, big time and very detailed and groups of people being moved hither and yon and stuff. And I would love to know more about that, but I don't think I'll learn it in this life because <laughs> it's not yeah. something Swedenborg talked about. I, whenever I hear about, you know, Swedenborg stopping and pivoting or almost publishing something, but then not, and it gets lost, I'm just, ah, we could have had more, you know, there could have been so much more because every bit of it is like this treasure. So yeah, appreciate you sharing that. Hey, I forgot to say a little while ago, Shannon gave. So we thank you so much, Shannon. We're up to $285. We're never going to have to work again. Uh, so thank you so much, everyone, for, uh, you know, think about how all of you came across off the left eye. It's only because the people before you were contributing. So thank you so much for, for keeping it rolling. As it's a funny time to talk about, hey, contribute to this project as we share with you the things that the project hasn't informed us about. But, um, I will, 
yeah, I, some of my questions that aren't answerable are just like, almost like life aesthetic questions. Like you go through certain sequences that are just seem so lifeless. Like they're either, they're just seem to be in poor taste or it's unnecessarily painful to go through a lot of the stuff that we go through. I just feel like, well, how are you going to justify that? Or how does that fit into a plan? Like little things like you've got, you, you break your toe on something or you stub your, some of that stuff, the minutia of it, I just feel like, well, what's that? How are you really going to say that life is good and you have that? And, and also like, how is it okay that we go through our periods of despair and suffering for so long that, that we go, you know, sometimes our entire lives without anybody like God really saying, okay, okay, it's all right. We're all here. You don't know for sure. Like part of me, it's not like a rational question. It's like, okay, come on. Like, how is that? Okay. That's my question. How is that? Okay? I don't feel like an answer answer. How is that? Okay. That's my question. How, no, how is that? Okay. And that that's side by side with, I have like a really deep affection for the picture of God that Swedenborg lays out and, and, and the things that I see that are good in life are just be, becoming more and more beautiful to me. At the same time, the things that are hard, it's more and more like, oh, come on, how, what? So that's my question. What? Come on. So um, great. That's a, that's a great question. That was a fun one, SB. Um, I'd like so to point out too to SB that even though we talk a lot in response to the questions, I wouldn't say they're always answers. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're oh. just chatting about it. We don't, we don't know the answers, but we can chat. Kurt, don't get that confused. Don't Kurt, get that. I have an answer for your question. Yeah. Ice cream. <laughs> I can't eat ice cream. <laughs> Give me reflux. Okay. So let's do the next one. Hey, we are three minutes away. This question will certainly spill into our bonus round. So thank you everyone who donated for making it possible. Linda, Elizabeth, Stephanie, Ellen, Robert, Sharon, Shannon. Thank you, everyone. Let's do this next question. This is from Lucas Santagita. Lucas Santagita asks, my girlfriend and her older brother are very devoted Calvinists, but I can't agree with their view of predestination and the elect. What did Swedenborg think of Calvinism and predestination? You know what? This is a question we can answer if we remember, because Swedenborg definitely thought something of it. So, Chris, do you want to uh, kick us off here? Yeah, I'll start with just a you know very simple uh, rephrasing of a passage that means a lot to me, and that's uh, Swedenborg talked about uh, the only predestination that exists is a uh, God's kind of predestination that we get to heaven, um, and that in so much as that God is really rooting for us and putting the right cards in our lives so that we have the tools to get to heaven. And so long as we kind of follow the design and kind of uh, work with God to get to heaven, we can get to heaven. Um, God does not predestine us to hell ever. Um, and so God's intention always is that we enter heaven willingly and freely. I love it. And it's an important teaching from Swedenborg because if that's not there, I think the idea of, well, man, for me, and I'm not trying to say anything about your, your girlfriend and her older brother, but for me, God falls apart if he's condemning anybody. 
There's no, you can't, that's not God anymore. It's just the, the print that that's a load bearing idea. And if, if God is, there's anybody that God doesn't give a chance to, or isn't really doing what you said, Chris, pulling with all of his might for, I've got an ethical issue with that. I, I, I would rather go to hell and protest than, than, you know, okay. Sorry. Am I on a soapbox here? Okay. Any, any, uh, Karen, do you want to, do you want to further the conversation? Kara, did you have your hand up? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, absolutely. Just following up on what Chris and Curtis have said here, there is only predestination to heaven coming from God. And then we get to choose whether to accept that invitation or not through the kind of life we choose to lead. And Swedenborg does in his book, Divine Providence, just kind of rail on that idea because he says that would be a completely unmerciful God that would set up a system like that. Like it would be completely unfair and God is fairness itself. And it, uh, the idea can come from a literal understanding of the 144,000 who were sealed in the book of revelation that there's probably more than one place that idea comes from, but we have a show called who are the 144,000 in the book of revelation and the deeper meaning of that is showing that there's not some certain group of people who are the elect that, that get to go to heaven. That number represents everybody because it's a multiple of 12, which means everybody who engages in a life of love of the neighbor and everybody who in some way chooses that kind of a life of, of kindness and service to others goes to heaven. <laughs> the Lord brings them to heaven through whatever unique journey they're on. And so the elect is, <laughs> you know, everybody is elected to come into heaven who wants to, uh, and wanting to means engaging in a life of kindness to others in service. Yeah. the And I love that last point you made. What's it mean to be elected to heaven? Heaven is a particular state of heart. Everybody wants to have beautiful surroundings and live in a nice palace and what you might think of as heaven. But heaven is actually this love of the neighbor. And if you don't, if you don't love that, you, you can't go to heaven. So there is like an elect, like you can't cherish hatred in your heart and, and think other people are relatively worthless and then go try to get the benefits of heaven because heaven is fundamentally opposed to that. So there is an elect, but it's an elect that's like, absolutely accessible to everyone at any time. Yeah, Kara. Oh, wait, Zoom etiquette. Yeah. Hey, yeah. This, is good. this is good. This makes it feel more organic. People can tell that. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Fallible humans. Um, Swedenborg does report having visited some of these uh, people that started these big religious movements. And I do believe that Calvin is on that list. So uh, he talks somewhere, I forget which work it would be, about having visited Calvin in the spiritual world. I'm pretty sure Calvin's one of the people he talks to. So I don't remember what he says, but you could look that up. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's there. That's that's a great point. Yeah, he does he does check in with Calvin, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. All right. That's good. Hey, let's um let's move on. Thanks everybody as we get to uh, our next bonus round question. This is from Peg B, who asks, will the world actually end? Speaking of 
religious ideas and the effect they have on people, you know, hearkening back to the, the beginning when Chris was talking about these different ideas and, and how they manifest. There's a lot of stuff thrown around, especially around the book of Revelation that says it's predicting the end of the world. And that's a, a fact, like actual like foreign policy of countries sometimes. It definitely, there's been very high profile instances of particular spiritual leaders leading their whole congregation to go somewhere and be ready for the end of the world. So far, it's never happened, but will it? I mean, is it just that everyone was early or, or thinking about it wrong? Is the, is the world going to end? Speaking of having answers to things. Yeah, Karen. Um, I'm assuming, yeah, Peg B is asking in, in regards to the idea of end times, last judgment, things like that, that uh, the Bible talks about in various ways. And the quick answer is no, none of those um, predictions in scripture are talking about the end of the physical world. They're not talking about an end to planet earth and life on planet earth. All those things are talking about the end of a religious era of a, in our show called end times in Jesus Christ. It's the end of, um, you know, the, uh, the establishments of, of in particular Christianity, but all kinds of churches that have gotten started and they, they lost love. Like there was no love left in them. And love is like the heart of a, of a religious era or a, relig a religious organization. And that, so the Bible is predicting the end of a religious era when love is gone from it. Its heart has stopped. <laughs> and that is what the Bible is talking about when it has this language about, um, you know, end times to come. And Swedenborg um, says that that already happened in the spiritual world. Like there was this big upheaval and ending of one kind of way of religious state of mind because it didn't have any love left in it and the beginning of a new one that now has been gradually affecting the earth and so it's a gradually even now and i think it's i've been, i've come to think this is more and more an important idea to share with the world that the end times scripture is not talking about the end of this planet because i'm just noticing more and more that when people think this is it times are ending like the pandemic or whatever it is. And this has happened, you know, every year for thousands of years since Jesus was on earth thinking this is the end. What tends to happen, unfortunately, is people stop thinking they have to bother to be kind to others and things like that. Not everyone, I'm sure, but often it's just like, because I was just hearing somebody tell me about that recently that the people they knew were saying, well, why would you bother to, you know, go try to help and serve the neighbor because everything's about to end. So what's the point? And that's the opposite of what the Lord wants us to be doing. I think Jonathan actually was on a Q&A show once and he's saying, even if you look at the literal sense of the Bible, the point is like, the end is coming. So be extra kind to others, not just throw everything out the window and don't worry about that. So even if you were taking it literally, we're supposed to be <laughs> using that to get kinder. But no, it's not happening literally to planet Earth. Swedenborg mentions that, you know, eventually, 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 anything physical comes to an end. So someday, a zillion years from now, planet Earth might be finished. And that's fine because 
we'll all go into the spiritual world and there's other planets with other human races on it. But no, end times is not coming to end planet Earth. That's not what that's about. Yeah, I love you mentioning Jesus's, because there is language in the Bible that seems to indicate some kind of end. And Jesus does say some phrases that seem to point in that direction. But if we're looking at it spiritually, when he's saying, look, be kind because you don't know the hour it's coming. What does it do to you when you know something's ending? Like if you, if it's like, oh, it's my last day at the office before I go to a new job. But don't you look at everything differently? Don't you stop and pause and, and think about your impact? Or you know, like this, this period we're having of whatever phase in life is coming to an end. You get sentimental about it. You value it more. It, so in a way, it seems like I can hear it correspondentially. Jesus saying like, this matters. The end is cut means this matters. And particularly whether or not you're good to people matters. Like it's doing something to your spirit. It's doing something to your future. It matters. Like that, that that's, it doesn't mean that the physical world is ending, but it, it matters. Like time is of the essence for, for us to do what's, what's right. Hey, um, Jesus gave, Jesus gave money. Well, or maybe it's Jesus. Uh, we're up to 310. Thank you for that gift very yeah. much. Um, hey, let's do one last question. I think we'll probably have time for one more. And this is from LifeWave ESSE Group, S Group, asks, does Swedenborg say anything about people on earth that live a life of service for others can help spirits in the spiritual world resurrect or be lifted up in a realm that they have been stuck in? So it seems to me like we're saying, can we, we, we talk about spirits being able to influence us can we do anything for, and I don't know if this means spirits, yes, spirits in the spiritual world. Can we do anything to improve the conditions for individual spirits in the spiritual world? So yeah, Chris, do you want to kick us off here? Yeah, and I, I don't know, I don't remember where in Swedenborg I read this, but so I'll be looking for other perspectives here. But I remember learning once about um, as we undergo like repentance, you know, we have we're faced with choices as to whether or not we're going to kind of perpetuate bad habits or selfishness or like work with the Lord to evolve, become a better person. When we decide to evolve, that fundamental choice, because we're so connected to spirits in the world of spirits, you know, the place before heaven or hell, um, that choice actually helps and influences the spirits there to make similar choices or gives them kind of like a, a leg up. Um, so I just thought, wow, like if that is true, um, the implications are not just that I get to go grow closer to God by making those good choices, but I also help someone else do the same. Yeah, that gives an extra sense of gravity to our life here. It makes it even more meaningful. It makes me think of that spiritual experiences passage, is, passage I always try to quote that gives the four reasons for why we're alive or when our life ends in this world. And one of them is our use to spirits and angels, that what we're doing here does somehow affect the lives of spirits and angels. So that seems to build on that for me. That's great. Thanks, Chris. Uh, Karen, do you have any, any thoughts? Yes, I think that's great the way Chris described it. 
we are always having an influence on people around us, spiritual people and physical people, when we work on our own stuff, when we do our own inner work to become a more kind and um, useful person that's having all sorts of effects beyond ourself, including in the spiritual world. But I would add that um, don't think of it in terms of like somebody is stuck unless I do something because God is helping every individual in the other world. So their, their progress does not depend on us remembering to <laughs> do something or something. They, they are getting, every person is getting all help from all kinds of avenues from God through all sorts of people, spirits, angels. So it's not this um, burdensome responsibility to, if you know someone in the spiritual world, I have to make sure to get them unstuck. But at the same time, anything you do to increase your own openness to the Lord's energy in your yourself and in your life, you are helping them. And, you know, prayers and wishes for others are always helpful in the sense of supportiveness. And so um, we, by just want, expressing love in whatever way, wishing love, you know, through thoughts and feelings or through actions, it's all having an effect. And God is working with every person, but we can always be having a positive effect on others, both in this life and the next. I like that distinction because you don't want to have a to-do list that now includes, I got to take care of these spirits that I don't know how to reach out to or something. But I do think, yeah, that as we make those right choices in our lives, just knowing every good thing we do, it matters. You know, imagining Jesus saying it matters. Not, not even just to us, not even just to the people we know in this world. It matters. It ripples out. And that's why, I guess, when we talk about why why are we born all in this world where there's sort of this backlog of evil to deal with, it's because people's choices multiply. And we have, the human race is nobody's an island, as they say. I think about heredity as well. Swedenborg talks about spiritual heredity, meaning you're kind of dealing with the issues of your family tree, like they get passed down to generations. So I wonder, though, if like, if you're working on your heredity, is that in real time kind of interacting with the heredity of your ancestors, uh, you know, could well do it. Uh, yeah, Karen, did you want to? want to add, I did have somebody tell me of a vivid dream in which they felt like they were in touch with relatives in the afterlife who told her that exact thing. They were pretty much saying that because she was doing some intense, like therapeutic and inner work. And they were saying, thank you. That's really helping us. <laughs> so I do think, you know, yeah, we, we share this hereditary issues and you working on it is helping our process of working on it. So we're all helping each other. <laughs> That's So I'm going to say to all of you watching at home today, you, you've made some spirits lives better just by, just by grinding through the life uh, that we're in right now. Hey, that's the end of our time, everybody. That was so fun. Um, I want to say that the, the party doesn't stop. Uh, we are going to continue to produce content, and we couldn't do it without all of your help. We actually had eight donors give to us today. Three of those brand new. We raised $310. Thank you so much. That lets us go and make the next program. Speaking of the next program, we have our podcast coming out on Sunday, uh, Inside Off the Left Eye. This Sunday, we'll be receiving help from angels and Swedenborg's secret location. So tune into that, Inside Off the Left Eye, wherever podcasts are found. And on Monday, our next episode of Swedenborg and Life comes out here right on the Off the Left Eye YouTube channel, which is entitled, There is a Science to Your Connection to Heaven.
great hanging out with all of you online. And panel, if I may call you that, really great to, to get to hang out. Thanks so much uh, for lending your, your time and your wisdom. Great to be here and thank you, audience. You have a wonderful effect on us. It's just so great to hear your questions and talk with you, so thank you. Yeah, thank you, Curtis and everybody. <laughs> yeah. Great to chew these things over. It's you know just fun to have a place to think about these things. Yeah, really glad I was here with you all. Cool. All right, let's let's take this good energy. I can feel it. Let's take it out into all of our days and weeks and, and make life better for everyone, make it better for some spirits and, uh, and, uh, you know, bring, bring that, that light and love as we, the question we had in the beginning, what, you know, how's God showing up for you through people? Let's be the people. Let's go out and do it. it it's, it's within reach. Thanks everyone. See you next time.